Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cool kids be like Chemistry sucks a D Adults be like Physics? Honey, not for me But we're all just alive for a tinty bit And science is the best way to understand it Side note We show you studies are bang Side note Even scientists can be gay Controversial subjects with the facts can be tense But we are a science here to make things make sense Today, I'm going to be talking with Rachel Saltz, the author of The Plastic Problem. We're going to dive into lots of interesting studies around plastic, find out where it came from, and ultimately talk about what we can do about this plastic problem as individuals and as a society. Hi, Ray. Hello. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. It's been a long time since you've been on the pod. Been a while. Yes, it's been a while. We've had lots of breaks on the pod as well, so it's been a while for us often. Um, how you doing? I'm great. I'm doing well. I uh, just had a baby. Yes, you did. And he's four weeks old today. That's so cute. Can you tell everyone what his name is? Yeah, his name is Cameron, little Cammy, and so he's cute. he's a sweetie. How's it been going? How was how was everything? Your pregnancy, your birth, and how is he doing? <laughs> um, pregnancy was really tough. Mm-hmm. Shout out to all the pregnant people out there. Um, but I'm glad it's over. And <laughs> he arrived with a bang. And you know what? There's, you know, there's some stuff that is tough, but it's all worth it because you get like a little cutie boy. Yeah, you actually, you gave like a really interesting perspective the other day. You had mentioned, you know, everything's going great, but that it's still tough. It's like still it, tough. even when things are perfect in the sense yeah. of like all oh, the health's okay, everything's going well with sleeping and feeding, mm-hmm. it's still like yeah. a challenge. We're in really fortunate. You know, my partner was able to have time off. We've had family and friends come visit us and help out. He's a pretty good sleeper. He's able to breastfeed. Still really hard. Yeah. Yeah. And on top of that, you did just release a book as well. Like, you've been pretty busy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I did. Uh, Thank you so much for bringing it up. It's called The Plastic Problem. And I actually wrote it this time last year, but Mm -hmm. it's just coming out now. And I'm working on a second book right now. This one geared um, more towards adults. Well, the first one's more towards kids. Yeah, we'll, we'll get more into your book and the specifics of it. I want to say that even this one that is geared towards kids, in your word, we used for the most recent video that we were doing. It was super helpful, super ah. insightful. So thank you very much for that oh, source of you. inspiration. Oh, 
What did we learn this week? All right, so I learned something that may become relevant to you as you become a mother of a teenager slash oh. into you know young adulthood. Um, this week I saw something on helicopter parents. So oh. for anyone who doesn't know what that is, it's a parent who is like highly overly involved in their child's life who tries to like push them to do certain things for maybe they're not necessarily on benefit but there's you know they're wanting their kid to succeed in all these different ways and so they engage in their lives micromanaging a bit yeah Yeah. literally micromanaging so this study was looking at helicopter parents of uh, young adults between the age of 18 to 24 interestingly they found that Helicopter parents are more common in middle to high income families, often because the pressure associated with like getting into a good school, succeeding in all these different courses or taking extra extracurriculars is a lot higher in those families. Um, But what they found that was that when you're a helicopter parent, your kid is much more likely to have a low mastery of any skill, uh, have problems self-regulating and uh, problems with uh, social competence so that makes a lot of sense especially the self-regulation kind of thing because if you're being told all the time what you need to do Mm -hmm. you don't really have like autonomy of like literally what i actually need to do it's funny because it seems sort of obvious when you hear like as i was reading the study i was like yeah of course helicopter parenting is bad and i guess that's become a very big conversation recently but to see in a study where they realize they kind of compared it to a delicate flower so Anything that's really sensitive, you have to take care of and give it the perfect environment. But the second you move it to a new environment with different parameters, it can't really flourish. So they're saying parents often set up these um, scenarios where their kids can succeed. They're trying to make sure they're helping them on projects. They're pushing them into things that they want to see them do well in. Um, We know there was that famous scandal recently with all those sort of like rich celebrities who were paying off or lying about resumes and grades to get their kids in school. But then the problem is once those kids go to that school, will they even succeed in the first place? Right. Um, The extra side effects that came along with this were heightened anxiety in the kids, uh, higher depression levels, internalizing problems, belief that they are incapable of living independently and ultimately thinking that like the outcomes of the things they do are shaped by external forces instead of their own decisions. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> good case. Little Cameron. Yeah. yeah. Little Cameron. Hopefully I don't, I really don't think you'll be a helicopter parent, but like, do you have I hope thoughts I don't swing. about Well, yeah, I have thought about that for sure. And I hope I just don't swing in the opposite direction of like, just like a free <laughs> range, like, <laughs> You're on your own, baby. Let's sink or swim. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure that, yeah, it'd be interesting to see a study on that end of things, just like too much autonomy. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the struggle with everything where you're like, what is that Goldilocks amount of how much should a parent be involved? That's the perfect amount, but not. But it is ultimately, I think, every person, whether a kid or an adult, just needs to go through struggle on their own to learn. Right. You you become stronger. You learn at like, uh, what is it? Like, you need rain to grow, right? Yes, absolutely. Oh, my God. I've actually never heard that, but that's beautiful. I think it's like a pop song right now. <laughs> I think it's on like FM radio right pop now. Pop songs always have really yeah. touching lyrics, though. Yeah. Like they distill an essence into one simple line. For sure. Anyway, okay. What did you learn this week, right? So what I learned this week, I actually learned about five years ago, but now I'm getting firsthand experience with it. And I actually did it. Learned it for an ASAP Science um, script okay. on disgust. Oh, so um, this is actually around poop, baby poop, <laughs> and um, so disgust is like a really cool emotion in that it helps protect us. Like, so we're disgusted by like flies because mm-hmm. they carry disease, and we're disgusted by poop because 
also disease. Right. <laughs> but then you have to take care of yourself, and you also have to take care of your kin. Right. Like you have to come in contact with some of these disgusting things. Right. So it's the idea that maybe we find our own poop, our own shit, less disgusting, <laughs> and the same with our kids. So the name of the study is my baby doesn't smell as bad as yours, the plasticity <laughs> of disgust. So what they actually did was they had uh, 13 moms of babies smell bags of poop. Poop? <laughs> yeah, bags of poop. And um, they did three rounds of uh, three different trials, one where they were unlabeled, mm-hmm. one where they were labeled correctly, like this is my baby's poop, this okay. is a different baby's poop, mm-hmm. and one that were like, mislabeled like to throw you off and it didn't matter the scenario these moms always rated their own baby's poop as smelling nicer wow so there's definitely just like their microbiome and bacteria in their poop is probably familiar to the mom subconsciously even right or i guess consciously if they're able to sort of pick it out yeah it's like that's funny that it made me think of like a wine tasting challenge (laughs) you know like the coke versus pepsi like i wonder if those moms knew they must have been told like you're gonna be smelling <laughs> right, right. So um, now I have a baby and I'm changing diapers and uh, I'm dealing with my own son's poo. <laughs> and I kid you not, his poo smells to me like buttered popcorn. Actually. Actually. Like, and, and in a good way. It smells You're just nice. Like it I love it that smell. Like going to the wow. movie theater and that smell, you get hit with Oh my that. gosh, now I want to smell his poo. Like maybe it actually <laughs> just does smell so like that. <laughs> to my husband, it smells like. It smells like poo. And okay. it smells like vinegar. So like a vinegary poo. It is more poo. related to like a mother and her ability to pick up on that? I guess so. It's a, it's a strange thing. Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking about, because obviously we have a dog, Ernie, and like, I mean, you get very used to picking up poo, right. but like I'm always like, yeah, that's gross. Like, it's <laughs> never like I'm like, it doesn't smell like it definitely smells. So I think it must be a biological connection more yeah. than just familial or just like someone you know well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just found that so strange and cool and just all these little like like evolutionary hacks so that we like keep taking care of our baby. Mm-hmm. Like they're made cute so that we'll look after them. Yeah. <laughs> study time. Study time. Study time. Study time. Okay, so this week, Greg and I, we've just released a video that's us wearing every single piece of plastic we created in a week. Uh, We just finished it. It was a very interesting challenge. If you want to go check out that video and the, you know, embarrassment that ensued by us walking (laughs) in public, you can check it out. Um, But today on the podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about plastic itself, where it comes from. We each have a study we're going to reference. And then in our second half, we'll talk a little bit more about what impact it actually has on the environment, how microplastics play a role, toxicity. And ultimately, the big question is, what can people do as individuals and as a society? So um, before we get into that, Rach, you were at our, we did a little interview for the video mm-hmm. for Plastic Waste. You haven't seen our final outfits yet because that was yeah, earlier I'm in the week. To see it. What was your prediction of how, like, did you think that what we were wearing looked like a lot for like day three that we recorded on or did it seem normal? I think it seemed really normal. Um, <laughs> I think you guys were doing a good job. And it's just like, just seeing that visualization is like, oh yeah, yeah it's, it's a, a lot. Reminder. Yeah. And um, I think a statistic is five pounds of waste. A Canadian makes five pounds of waste a day. Five that's not pounds. necessarily just right. plastic. Okay. okay. Like garbage. And yeah. Like the garbage that. we produce is around five pounds. So I don't think you were wearing wow. five pounds of plastic. Okay. Yeah. If you see the video, we felt very insecure, but a couple people have saw like saw us and they were like, oh, that's from a whole week. That doesn't actually seem like that much. But to uh, like our whole 
body our whole shirt was covered and mm -hmm. it's just like really puts it in perspective so if you want to see the video it's on asap science mm. but before we jump into our studies i thought i'd ask you to give a quick little background on where plastic actually comes from because i didn't quite realize this even as somebody who has like a background in science that it's tied to fossil fuels. Yeah, so 99% of all plastic comes from fossil fuels. So that's oil, gas, and coal. Mm -hmm. So in the case of oil, it's just getting, you know, oil, crude oil can be made into a lot of different products like, you know, jet fuel or naphtha. It's like a hard word for a person with a list to say. <laughs> it's like N-A-P-H-T-H-A, naphtha. Oh, okay. And just all these different products and they can get cracked into smaller things so that are petrochemicals that can make plastic. Mm -hmm. And then so those get turned into like a soupy, Like they're moldy. basically just breaking down the oil. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. And then like... What do they do from they're there? They're breaking it down into individual monomers, and then uh -huh. they're stitching them together into polymers. So polymers are just repeating units of monomers. Right. Mono means one. Mer means part. So okay. that's in Greek one stuff. Part. Poly and means many, many parts. Many one part. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> oh, I guess so, polymer. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and then those can get chopped up into teeny tiny pieces, and those teeny tiny pieces are called nurdles. They're okay. about the size of a lentil. Those like little pieces of plastic can get shipped all around the world to different factories that can get turned into a myriad of products. Wow. So plastics are super amazing in that they melt down really easily and they're really flexible and can be put into so many different shapes and sizes and they can be put into like injectable molds and then they'll cool really fast and you could just say if you're right. making Lego or something, you could be making like a thousand mm. Lego a second almost oh just injecting gosh. them into molds. So, so taking these nurdles, which yeah, ultimately you heat are them up. a form of crude oil that's been transformed and then shipped to yeah. a manufacturer who goes like, okay, here's my mold. I'm going to heat it up and turn it into this. Essentially, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that kind of blew my mind. I felt silly for not really understanding that, okay, yeah, not only do plastics cause a problem on the back end, which we'll talk about, like going into the environment or into, into landfills, but on the front end, they contribute to like fossil fuel, like or carbon emissions and greenhouse gas emissions for and sure. things like that. Um, so then let's quickly talk about where they end up, like what, like what happens to that plastic after it's been used and why is it a problem? Yeah, so most of the plastic ever created today is now plastic waste. So, you know, there's some things that are like used for infrastructure that are maintained, but most of it is thrown out. And actually 40% of all plastic is used for packaging. Mm. So I think probably while you were doing your experiment, you found that that's yeah. what you're Everything wearing. on our body was like, yeah, from food, right. like things that wrapped paper, like right. magazines that came, things like that. Yeah. So the streams that it can go into are, uh, it can be recycled. Um, plastic can be turned back into plastic but that's actually not a, we can talk about it a bit more but recycling plastic is actually a bit more difficult than say recycling glass or mm -hmm. aluminum it doesn't really recycle as well because the product itself kind of deteriorates with each time you recycle mm -hmm. it also you're saying plastic like it's a single unit there's so many different types of plastic right so some they're not all made Equal, yeah, they're basically. different chemical like structures, each one of them, right? Mm -hmm. So there's like polyethylene. So it's like eth lots of little ethylene molecules, yep. right? So that's one type. Or there's polypropylene. So right. those are like the chemical structures of different plastics. Okay. So, so ultimately they have to be yeah b done differently. Yeah. Okay, so they end up some, like you said, maybe about 9% get recycled. Not About 9% get recycled. Okay. So that's pretty small. Yeah, when you, think, when you think that everything as well as going into your bin is being recycled. Okay, mm -hmm. other than that, where, what do we do with plastics? So there's incineration. Mm -hmm. um, so that's actually not a common strategy in North America, but in Europe, incineration happens a lot more, maybe because they're like, 
smaller spaces. They don't mm-hmm. have the room for landfills. Mm-hmm. Um, so some are incinerations are, you know, just like straight up burning. Some are waste to energy. So they're capturing the energy created from burning that. So that can be a bit of a better strategy. Right. But still, it's releasing a lot of different emissions. So carbon emissions um, are really linked to incineration. Right. So then there's landfill. That's where the bulk of waste ends up is in the landfill. But then a lot of it escapes the landfill. And mm-hmm. that's why, you know, probably if you're thinking of plastic, you're thinking about ocean plastic and that as like the main problem that's gaining a lot of attention. And for good reason, uh, about a mi- every minute, a garbage truck amount of plastic enters the ocean. Yeah, there's not one crazy. garbage truck that's doing this. It's just right, the, yeah, yeah. It's just, just the visualization. The, the, the accumulative amount is as though we're dumping a truck yeah. into the ocean every minute. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where like the major environmental. So we'll talk a little bit more about that. But I just thought like having that perspective so people know where plastic comes from wh- and why it's such an issue right now. Mm-hmm. And obviously that use as many parts of the world are industrializing even more and having access to plastic and because it's such a cheap material yeah. it's become a problem um, cheap, cheap and really lightweight that is blows around and that's probably yeah a exactly it's too, easy yeah. to like get picked up in a stream yeah. even in like developed places that have like garbage and what pe- i see garbage all the time plastic especially it just floats and it gets picked up by water and things like that so we'll talk a little bit more about um you know, like th- those systems and what happens and why, like what animals it hurts and things like that. But let that'll be in their second half. So maybe we'll jump into our studies sure. right now. Yeah. Um, my study actually looks at, I think polyethylene is like plastic bags, right? Yeah. Is that true? Yeah, Kay. yeah. Low density polyethylene. All right. There's also high density. So that's more like something that would make a shampoo bottle. Okay. So, so they're similar, but dense. just, okay, yeah. good to know. Okay. Yeah. So then mine's probably low density. Uh, the study was looking at the elimination of plastic bags from grocery stores or rather like imposing the price increase. Mm, okay. Specifically in England, I think it started in 2015 and they were tracking the use by, d- was this an effective strategy? Okay. Um, Ultimately, before they had the ban, around 48% of people in the UK that were were studied were using single-use plastic bags at every single time they went to the grocery store. But after a year, only 17 were using it after that. Oh, whoa. Can I ask um, what they charged? Actually, you know what? I didn't. I didn't look that up, and I don't know if it would have been um, the same amongst every grocery oh, store. Oh, right. Yeah, in the study, I didn't notice it saying like uh, the exact charge, so maybe it varied from place to place. Okay. Uh, I know here it's maybe often like five cents or something mm-hmm. like that. Because I know um, in Denmark they charge like a lot. Like oh, they really? charge a lot. Really? Like it's almost like close to a dollar. Oh wow. And that has led to like people using four bags a year. Wow. So, I mean, yeah, obviously even this minor cost, as far as I can guess, Mm -hmm. I don't know. They didn't make a big uh, issue about the cost, but it's a huge decrease. And I just thought that was really interesting because one thing they said was that the population they sampled was also very cooperative and very happy to be part of this initiative. As much as it's a little bit of an inconvenience, they said people were pretty quick to adjust and bring their own reusable bags. It was something they could get behind. Like everyone felt good about this environmental initiative. It sort of reminded me of the plastic straws. And I know there's controversies around some of these because it's like, how much is that doing? But ultimately this did reduce that plastic waste. Um, I wanted to add one more thing, like comparatively people in this same sample felt really negative towards taxing people based on like petrol and diesel, despite it having a similar impact. Hmm. So it was interesting to note that like people want to support environmental issues, but not necessarily in any way, you know, right. like not at any cost because they were worried about how that will impact their li- their lives, especially like low income people or families that 
wouldn't want to have to pay an extra tax on those kind of things. That's super interesting. I wonder if that is because it feels like driving is a necessity that you have to do to get about your life, where a bag is like, I can bring an alternative bag. Yeah, and I feel like maybe alternative bags are already circulating in our lives. So mm-hmm. it's like the solution, not that it's the only solution, and we can touch on like how you know reusable bags aren't always 100% better for the environment in one way or the other. Right. But people know like, okay, I can stop using plastic bags because I know I already have a couple of reusable bags or it's just equally just a dollar for me to grab some of those and use them over and over. The only thing I started thinking about and I'm curious to ask you is where do we put our garbage when we don't have plastic bags? You know what I mean? Because I was thinking about how like I, th- I, d- I think it's mandated for certain types of garbage, especially like I, I assume green garbage. And I think some of those green garbage bags here at least are biodegradable, mm-hmm. but I don't know how effective that is. I was just realizing in my own day to day life, like I, I use single use plastic bags at times and then I try to reuse like they usually end up becoming my little garbage bags right. for like the bathroom or yeah. for our home. Um, I don't know. Is the only strategy to use use like bigger plastic bags to waste less individual or is there like a solution? Can we just throw our garbage into like the bins? Yeah, I guess you could just throw it into the bin. Like I think the thing with waste and with recycling and compost and everything is different municipalities have Mm. different rules. So what could fly here where we live in Toronto might not really work in London. Um, But I think you could do that. But admittedly, I also reuse like if I get a bag um, you know, as a gift or what, mm-hmm. even if I get one at the store, I will reuse that bag for my waste, um, right. like for my garbage cans. But so I'm not. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to think of like, what are, I wonder if there's other solutions in other countries where people, maybe their systems allow them to just toss all yeah. their garbage and recyclables, maybe not green garbage. Paper bag? I yeah, don't know. that's true. I know. I've just been thinking about that, realizing through this challenge that we're doing that so many of the things are just plastic bags, but I'm like, but I would use them a second time. Right. But even then, that's still only like a two-time use and it's just wrapping more plastic, right? Right. And then it's also like a sanitary thing, like if mm-hmm. you're throwing your garbage. Just I don't in know. a bin. Yeah, you know, You'd have question. to like wash out the bin probably, mm-hmm. but maybe that would be better. Yeah. Okay. Why don't we move on to your study? Okay. So I'm looping back around again to <laughs> poop um, and there's the babies. Theme. Yeah, there's a theme, theme in here. your life. <laughs> uh, there's definitely, but poop is on my mind. It's like, what's the color? How many poos a day? Duh. It's just like, okay, talking a lot about poop. Um, so mine is on. So um, in my own life, I'm kind of like thinking like, okay, I want to use, I want to reduce my waste. Diapers create a lot of waste. I'm going to use reusable diapers. But my friend who already uses them told, advised me, like, the ones for newborns really don't fit well at all. Hmm. Do single-use, like, disposable diapers to begin with and then move on to okay. reusables. And then my other friend was like, well, there's this study that actually calls into question whether reusables are actually better hmm. or if you should use the disposable ones. So I came across the study and it's um, called an updated life cycle assessment study for disposable and reusable nappies. Oh, wow. So it's also nappies. from the UK. Okay, yes. <laughs> UK, maybe they're on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems like they are. Like, actually, I think like their grocery stores in general have been like much more progressive in like reducing mm. packaging at their actual stores so that's good I, I always think about how can we encourage that of places here yeah. in north america but one step at a time i guess yeah 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 so uh, a life cycle assessment is um, something that just looks at the entire picture from beginning to end mm-hmm. so actually the extraction of the resources so in the case of um disposable diapers like the extraction right. of fossil fuels yep. to make that but then also for um cotton cloth diapers like 
the amount of like water it takes to harvest cotton mm-hmm. and then the amount it takes to like you know amount of water you use washing them yep. and then at the end also like their disposal so what they came up with at the end um was that in terms of carbon emissions um so assuming that your child wears diapers to two and a half um reusable diapers you will create 570 kilograms of co2 okay emissions for that reusable for reusable and then 550 um for disposable kilograms so like less and very close yeah amount yeah so the thing with the reusable ones is you can kind of change the outcome a bit this number is assuming as a baseline that you always use your washing machine use hot water Mm. and you put them in the dryer and you have one child say if you're reusing the same diapers for your second child or if you're borrowing from a friend right. that would bring the number down right, a lot the initial like fossil fuel cost and right. those kind of water costs to make are now much different because you're actually reusing yeah much longer yeah or if you know if you have like a clothesline at home hmm. that would reduce that number as well where the one for you don't really have much control over, over the plastic, the plastic yeah. one okay. but they're kind of comparable and um in terms of water use also um, by leaps and bounds, the reusable ones use a lot more water. But mm. then also, you know, in terms of waste, there's a lot more waste created from the uh, disposable ones, right, obviously. Right, on the back end of things. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is a great point you made in the video we did as well that it's just there's all these different metrics you can measure by. Right. In some cases, you might say like, oh, plastic is lighter. So shipping of things ends up being much less than, say, a glass bottle is right. the example you gave. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it's necessarily better in every way, but that is one way where like the grand scale of its emissions or of its environmental impact is less. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Is there something we can take away as consumers for for this? I know at the end we'll talk about like sort of really reusing and you mentioned, you know, think about your cold versus hot water. Think about hanging versus drying. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, when we're, cause I kind of get stuck in the middle now. I'm like, oh wait, what should I actually do then? Like I know my gut was like plastic is bad because it's just actually physical waste all over the place. Yeah. But then you're right. We're using water. We're using different, like uh, so much water and releasing just as much gases to create these things. Right. What's your thought on that? Yeah, honestly, I can get pretty bogged down in that kind of mm-hmm. stuff too. And I think what, um, what I think the most, I saw this really good uh, uh, infographic on Instagram and it was actually related to clothing um, and like the waste around clothing. And it says at the top of the pyramid where you spend like the, the least amount of energy is just like buying. If you have to mm. buy something brand new, um, spend the least amount of time doing that in general. And then at the bottom is like using what you have. Right. So if there's things in your life that you can actually use what you have already, like in the case of like you already have some, you know, single use plastic bags at home, use those to like right. refill. Like don't just like throw them away because you shouldn't have them mm-hmm. in your life. Like if you already have plastic Tupperware at home, use that you don't need to substitute it with like fancy new glass tupperware you already have just to use what you have so in the case of the diaper one that doesn't really solve my problems i don't have either yeah it's nice to know that they're not that i mean in in some ways they're similar in terms of their environmental impact so i guess it becomes yeah it can really come down to how can you personally if you're able to minimize that end of things and that's really as far as it can go i think other than hopefully investing into like mechanisms which require less for the reusable kind or make the plastic biodegradable or make it break down naturally one day right like technological advances yeah and you know even like 
uh, I read another study, like in terms, like it's another. I, everything is complicated. That's the takeaway of, <laughs> of all science, life, really. Of all yeah. science, and, life, and yeah, yeah. Um, and simple. You know, yeah. it, it's hard and it's simple. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I could. We could do a whole podcast on that feeling right there. <laughs> <laughs> but um, like, even with the biodegradable plastic, there was this really interesting study where they buried biodegradable bags mm-hmm. um, for three years. Um, underground and then other half of them they put them like they submerged them in the ocean they to see pulled, what would they pulled them up and then those bags could still hold like 10 kilograms worth of product oh, they hadn't broken down mm. like at all and it's just that like biodegradables that we use right now you see like oh it's a biodegradable plastic awesome it needs there's also lots of different types of biodegradable, mm-hmm. so they ha- require different conditions. Some of them require a lot of heat in order to mm-hmm. break down. Some of them need specific kind of like anaerobic digesters right, that like maybe your municipality or, yeah. doesn't have. Yeah. So then if it, if it like, isn't, then it's just plastic that you can't recycle and you're putting in the <laughs> landfill and you try to do this cool thing. And it doesn't do anything. <laughs> yeah, but that, I mean, and you can get bogged down with that kind of thinking, but then it's like, okay, Maybe if these things start to take on at scale, things can change. But right now, like, it's, it's, it's you know, it's it, we shouldn't throw it out as an idea just because it doesn't work right now. Right. I'm just going to acknowledge that dog that's been barking in the background <laughs> so much. There's a dog at the building. Um, why don't we take a little break? I feel sure. like there's lots more to talk about, about Great. ways we can incorporate uh, positive change into our lives and at large. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com. And a few other questions I have about other types of plastics. So stick around and we'll be right back. All right, so I wanted to talk a little more deeply into some of the things that your book talks about, some of the things that obviously you did a lot of research for and have an experience understanding. Number one was what we know a lot of this plastic ends up in the ocean. I mean, I don't want to sound silly and say, why is that bad? But can we talk about what that actually does? Yeah, so um, for starters, there's a lot of plastic in the ocean and it's kind of aggregates in different places. So um, in the ocean, based on current and wind, there's this thing called gyres. Mm-hmm. And so there's right now like maybe like five different massive gyres of circulating water and that can pull plastic in. So one of the biggest one is this uh, uh, Pacific, uh, North Pacific gyre. And so that's creating something people call the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. Okay. And maybe you've heard of yeah, it and it's like... They're like, oh, it's four times the size of Germany, but it's not <laughs> yeah, like it's not yeah. like a landmass you can stand on. Right. It's more like a soup. Okay. And then so that kind of plastic in there, it ha- comes in all different shapes and sizes. And then this plastic that's really small 
is easily ingested by animals. The plastic that is larger, say like a fishing net, you can easily see how animals can get tangled in mm-hmm. it. And um, so that it's just like plastic in the ocean becomes lethal for a lot of animals. Right. In many cases, because they think it's food or they yeah. accidentally ingest it, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So it's like how... Um, animal are you dumb like how do you think this is food (laughs) but it's actually kind of like if you look at the nurdles we talked about earlier so that plastic like in the production phase can easily escape if you think about pouring a bag of beans into Mm -hmm. a jar some are gonna fall out right so some escape into the environment those little tiny beads kind of look a lot like fish eggs which are a huge food source for a lot of birds and a lot of other animals so there's that also plastic is like a great carrier of you know different lots of different things but it can build up algae and create a smell that gives off the smell of food one study actually found that um oh i I forget the name of the actual like smells giving off i think it's dimethyl sulfide but i'm not 100 percent sure gets like stuck on the plastic yeah just this smell that's being emitted from the plastic and found that the more a species actually liked that smell the more plastic they actually ate Hmm. the more plastic they would find inside their body wow and then I think, um, what about like microplastics? I know there's been a big um, movement to ban those in some nations with regards to, you know, our soaps and things oh, that yeah, use micro beads yeah. and things like that. Um, those end up uh, like getting washed down drainways as well and end up in the environment. Are there animals, like is that having a big impact on animals? Yeah, so microbeads have been banned in a lot of cases. So, but also like the most of microplastics actually just come from big plastics that get broken down. Okay. So um, think about like, so you often hear that like it takes a thousand years for a water bottle to like break down in the environment. And that's true in the case of a landfill where it's not really getting, you know, like the sun exposure. But if you're getting beaten down by waves, it starts to like crumble like pretty quickly Mm -hmm. into these little teeny tiny pieces so that those pieces can get ingested, say, by a filter feeder like a mussel. Or um, they can be eaten by a little krill. And then maybe there's animals that love krill like a humpback whale and they'll eat a ton of them right. and like then hundreds now, of thousands that all have yeah, plastic yeah now they're inside of them is all the plastic that that krill ate so um you can easily see how these things can get um increasing increase as it moves up the food chain yeah it's, it's it makes me think like not to be doomsday i think there's some hope to be had here but thinking about the level of plastic in the ocean and how that impacts the food chain and how like the ways we don't yet understand right. like i think in your book you mentioned even humans typically have plastic inside them yeah it was a really small study it looked at the poop i think of like just 20 people but everyone had plastic particles in their poop and the question is like okay does this matter or is we just eating it and then we're just filtering it out in our poop and getting rid of it it's one of those things that we're still not 100 percent sure like how the body absorbs it so right now it doesn't seem like maybe it's a concern but it's also that unknown because we're just figuring out that we're eating a lot of plastic. Yeah, and I guess the amounts of plastic are only increasing in the ocean. So how as more and more species pick it up and then get fed through the food chain and end up in us, and maybe we'll realize what that plastic is actually doing in us. Maybe it isn't just filtering out. I guess that's the concern. Like, why not just 
not stop using plastic, but like be more self-aware of how we deal with that plastic, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think plastic has an important role in our lives. Like um, it can be really important in the case of like hospitals because it can be really sterile. But it's like we're using this material that is incredibly durable and is incredibly strong. And we're using it for things that we throw away after one use. Like maybe we shouldn't be like throwing away like something that's like, it's like, yeah, it's really that, yeah. precious. It's like we're way. making armor and then just tossing it after we like literally look at it. <laughs> that's <laughs> such a good ar- analogy. Like yeah. Using literal armor to wrap an apple and then being like, okay, just throw that in the garbage. Yeah, but like, in all, like why wrap an apple? <laughs> you know, know, like that, that kind of stuff is like, sometimes you're like, yeah, I can totally see plastics importance. And then sometimes you're like, yeah, no. at the in our video at the grocery store, we kind of documented beside each other. There's peppers that are free that you can just grab individual, and beside it, there's six of them wrapped in a plastic bag. Yeah, and I don't know why it's like that. I'm like, is it because that of some of them coming from farther away, and, or they maybe these are ones that have to stay fresh even longer right. because they were picked so long ago? Right. But to me, like when oh, they're beside each other, you're point. like, yeah, I guess. I mean, that's exactly the thing yeah. you had mentioned. How there is no one right or wrong answer. No. Plastic helps food stay good longer. Yeah. But when you see it side by side, you're kind of like, okay, this. I mean, obviously, one's already wrapped in plastic. If you don't think about it, it's convenient. You know, right. I just grab one and I have six now yeah. versus having to individually pick out and whatever. But yeah, yeah I just found that very striking to me. Um, one thing I wanted to ask about was the levels. We've talked a little bit about BPA and toxicity in plastic. Right. And so we're talking about, you know, microplastics getting into us. But we even know from research in the past that certain plastic water bottles give off plastic just by either touching them or having yeah. your liquids be in them. Yeah, you can, you can if you're touching plastic that has BPA in it, it can get absorbed into your body and then into your bloodstream. Um, and then, you know, at that level, is it toxic? Probably not. But if you like we're exposed to plastic so much that, you know, it can have an impact. And then um, often we talk about like the dose being the poison. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm just like, okay, so like dosage wise, it's probably not really bad for us. But there's actually an Instagrammer who I really, really like. Her handle is called Waste Free PhD. And I think her name is uh, Laura Markley. And she talks about how like like okay yeah dose isn't like yeah in many cases the dose is the poison but also like how a dosage um is measured depends on things like your hereditary like your age like Mm -hmm. for example like the bpa like dose for an infant is like a lot different than for an adult right so so even that saying is a little bit like it's not untrue Mm -hmm. but it's relative so here's like something so why is bpa um bad uh, so it is an endocrine uh, mimicker. So it can take on the form of estrogen in your body, and that can like is related to some different cancers, right? Mm-hmm. But so, so it's basically th- acting as a hormone in your body, yeah. when you maybe already you, you've already regulated the amount. So if you're sticking more, it's gonna, right. it's going to mess around with things. Exactly. So um, now you'll see sometimes lots of ads for BPA free. Mm-hmm. And like, cool, that's awesome. I'm really excited about that. Um, however, the things that I sometimes substitute it with is also a hormone <laughs> <laughs> mimicker. So it's one of those things like you have to, um, I don't, but yeah, it's just like everything when you're being sold something different, you're kind of like, and maybe that's not people's intent. You know, they maybe mm-hmm. weren't just like, but let's just. Right, Switch just stick a different one. Whatever. Yeah, I'm sure most, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not sure because I'm sure many big companies don't care, but I think 
it's nice to see the movement towards progressive ideas in like environmental issues or health issues, mm-hmm. even like coffee and food, um, like regulation and, and supporting industries that are like uh, moral, I guess you could mm. say. But yeah, it's good to always be a little skeptical and know when something's new. It actually may not have been fully tested yet. Right. Yeah. Because there's not enough of it on the market to even know what it's impact. Like Juul, for example. Yeah. Not that that yeah, was no, posed as such a great alternative. Or I mean, just vaping in general, I guess we can't pin it all on Juul. But this idea that it was intentionally meant to be helpful. But now we're seeing lots of controversy around, you know, whether it is just like the, the weed pods that are off the black market or not has yet to be fully determined, I think. Uh, okay. I yeah. don't, I don't no, know. Maybe yeah, you yeah, know yeah. more than I no, do. No, no, no. Just, just you saying that. Can I tell you like kind of a sad origin story of plastic? Yes. So, okay, um, so at the time, like turn of the century, um, ivory was a big deal. Ivory was being used for um, pool balls, like for billiards, right? And they were like, this is really inhumane to these animals. Can we make a material that is like really strong and really great as a substitute for for using ivory and everything? And they made plastic. Oh, wow. So you're like, it is, that is an amazing thing that you'd be like, thank God we made plastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then you realize, yeah, like everything has like has human its innovation. Sometimes is like great stop. and awful. Yeah, <laughs> it's like we can also just not have pool balls. Like we don't really need pool that bad, do we? I don't <laughs> right. know why. That's so funny to think of pool being like this kind of historical ancient sport that they right. like. <laughs> I mean, like it's weird to me. I thought pool was like invented twenty years ago. <laughs> I don't know why, because it's still part of culture in a way that yeah, you feel like yeah, other yeah. things kind of aren't. Like I don't see any harpsichords around. <laughs> Why are pool tables still around? <laughs> yeah, pool pool is like, like they take up space. Like a pool they're table giant. is a commitment. Yeah. yeah, but they're very. I guess they draw an audience. Okay, it is fun. Okay, let's let's jump into then. What are some things that I can do? You can do? Is there? I know there's no simplistic answer here, yeah. but what would you say? Everyone listening, what's the biggest takeaway for us to think about? Okay, so something I learned about is like I've heard you've maybe heard about the three R's, like reduce, reuse, recycle, and then I learned that there's you know six you can actually think about. So there's reduce, reuse, repair, refuse, rethink, and recycle. Okay. So maybe do Gotta you want to just the like? Song. <laughs> <laughs> So maybe you want to go through that like Yeah, let's talk about them because you're right. Like we know those three and I think there's an interesting reason you put recycle at the end, which we'll get to. But why don't we kind of go through maybe an example of each one just so we can get some context. Reduce is like honestly similar to like why do we need pool balls? Honestly, it's just like using less stuff. Mm -hmm. Like if there's something new you want to buy, think about it. Like maybe your impulse purchases like aren't really necessary. Maybe you can like spend some time. Maybe you have like if you are, you know, want to be have like this cool outfit. Maybe you have a friend you can borrow something from. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? That's a nice idea. Have like a shared closet amongst friends. I mean, I know there's like limitations to like living near each other, but you could rotate clothes every couple of months with friends. So we uh, we both like uh, lived in Guelph at different times. Mm -hmm. Right. And so Guelph is a city in Ontario and Canada. This is very whatever. (laughs) But like uh, it feels like kind of like a bit more of a greener community. Mm -hmm. I'd have clothing swaps with friends like all the time and everyone would bring their clothes. And then it was just like a cool little party. Wanted. It was fun. And then you come home and you're like, look at these clothes I have. Yeah. I don't know. It's I, fun. I feel like reduce is a big one. Like we'll it's talk like, about how it's not just the individual purchaser's fault. Yeah. But I notice that in my own life all the time. And as I've been thinking more about it, just being like, yeah, you know what? I have 
so many things I need and we're primed to believe every year we need a new phone, every year we need new clothes to stay on trend, those kind of things when it's actually pretty simple. It's a simple thing that doesn't affect our lives that much to be like, hey, I'm just going to buy a little less yeah. and it will not harm anyone except yeah. they'll help the environment yeah 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 um so next up is reuse and that's just like you know using the thing that you have more than one so mm -hmm. that's like having bringing like it doesn't have to be a fancy new like thermal cup like bringing like your own mug to your favorite coffee place has an impact right mm -hmm. and just thinking of all the different ways like bringing your own utensils you don't have to buy a new cool utensil tip you can if you want it <laughs> but like you could just bring yeah. like your like knife and fork from home and just put it in like a little bag and carry it with you yeah like i was thinking the other day we just started using reusable cups like i'd say this year like for coffees and things like that mm -hmm. i feel good about it um and i know sometimes people not look down but are like oh what's one person gonna do but i was thinking like not that i buy a coffee or tea every day but say i did yeah. that's 365 cups that are going in the garbage which yeah. is not, you know, on the scale of garbage that significant. But if you mm -hmm. were to look at a bag of 365 cups, you'd be like, that's a significant totally. thing to cut out. So why not just use a reusable one? Yeah. And, you know, I totally agree. Like people kind of sneer at this uh, plastic straw thing, mm -hmm. because when you think about it, it's like 0. 0.00 whatever percent is made up of straw waste. Right. OK, cool. That's true. But it makes people start to rethink what they're doing to begin with mm -hmm. and how they're, you know, using things. And then also, like, every piece really counts. Yeah, ultimately, if we can, even if we can just reduce it 1%, why not? That's a step. Yeah. And like you said, it, it primes people's minds to be thinking about that plastic anywhere they go. Mm -hmm. Everyone doing their part imperfectly is better than, like, a handful of people being, like, perfectly zero waste, yep. in my opinion. Yeah. Okay, so repair. The art of repairing thing is something that's kind of like a little lost. I feel like even my mom, like her generation was like, you know, sewing, like fixing like a rip in jeans or whatever or like, um, you know, uh, but you know what? I think there's a lot of companies that are like make it harder for you to repair course, things. Yeah, like they... I, I have a, my blender that I love and the plastic piece, like the collar or whatever is cracked. I'm like, okay, I want to just buy this part. It costs as much for me to buy the part mm -hmm. as to get a new blender. I still think I'm going to buy the part but begrudgingly. But you, you kind of feel like, oh, I could have a new blender. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, it, it's like I think companies are like, you know, the making repairing more expensive kind of mm -hmm. like. Promotes like buying of new products mm -hmm. and like being yeah i know that's kind of the yucky part where we'll get to like how industries play their role and they know their marketing tactics yeah. to make people but even outside of that yeah uh, many of i know myself i don't know how to sew and i have always been like i should take a sewing course because literally i've gotten rid of pants because they've had like a hole in the crotch right. you know and i've been like yeah. well i can't wear that and i don't know how to sew and it's inconvenient for me but it is like catching yourself and being like there's even if I can't, is definitely somewhere I can go that probably costs very little to put mm -hmm. a patch on my clothes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you can't do something, like, yeah, there's people who definitely can repair stuff. And also, like, hello, YouTube. Like, there's oh, people true. who are so talented and, and want to, like, sh teach and share what they know how to do. And you can, like, follow along. And that's really fun and cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, so refuse is just, like, you know, like... Uh, in Toronto, there's often people handing out, you know, flyers and stuff like, or like even if you're at a party and maybe you get like a gift bag or something, or I don't know, there's lots of different times people are giving stuff away for free. Or if you're at a restaurant, back to the straws, and they just like put a straw down beside your cup. Mm -hmm. and you can just say like, oh, I don't need this straw. That's okay. Thank you so much. Yeah. I think that those are the little things that 
I need to train myself to remember. Because sometimes when it's just put there, your brain just like you, you automatically go into the zone where you just put it in your drink. You know, yeah. you don't really think about it. Yeah. But it is such a simple task, simple yeah. thing that can reduce bit by bit. I think that's yeah. Cool. And we were talking about this before that like those little bags to put produce in, mm-hmm. like at the grocery store. Uh, yeah. I just we all I just as a kid I was like, you have to use those. Yeah. Like, it's the law. As a freaking adult I've been thinking that like yeah, that's the rule. I'll, I'll be arrested if I go to the <laughs> counter with two heads of broccoli that are not in a bag. Yeah. And you know what? I've been doing it and I haven't <laughs> been arrested yet. So just wait till you take sprouts. the Brussels what about Brussels sprouts? <laughs> I think that's there's like levels, rude. right? No, like if you're rude. getting if you're getting bulk. Beans. <laughs> Rude. You just Brussels take up a sprouts. handful of nuts and you're like, here. Yeah, but you can bring your own reusable. Like yeah. my uh, sister gave me these mesh bags that I can use for Brussels sprouts. And oh, that's nice. like a great thing. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So rethink is next. And that's just like, as you were saying, like plastic, instead of thinking of plastic as like trash, I think of it as like this really amazing, unique, durable like what what can we use it for it's so cool it's so strong like i saw this one video of a woman like taking old plastic bottles and then using it and then like heating it around pieces of wood as joints to build furniture oh whoa yeah yeah that's cool so people are finding very unique ways to just repurpose that plastic yeah 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 and i remember like i think i did like as a craft with like my like mom as a kid was like taking like a pop bottle and turning it into a bird feeder. Like, mm. I don't know, there's like lots of different ways you can start to think about, okay, how can I be using plastic differently? Or how can I think about plastic differently? Like yeah. what if everyone thought plastic was precious instead mm. of, you know. Instead of just, yeah, something that does. You disposable, can just toss. Yeah. yeah. Okay, and then the last one last is... Last one's recycle. Okay, we and made it to recycle. Yeah, and recycle is like often people's first strategy in terms of dealing with waste. Like, uh, this waste is fine. I'm putting in the recycling bin. It's no harm, no foul. Um, but then, like, the more research I've been doing about it, it's like recycling is, is complicated in that it's a, it's a... Well, like, there's a lot of reasons it's complicated. So let's say... Um, in just the collection of it. So you're wanting to recycle. You have a peanut butter jar. You put it in. You don't wash the jar. You just put it right in. So that jar now can't be recycled because it's dirty. I used to think like, oh, they pressure wash everything. They don't. They don't necessarily do that. So that's one thing. Or you put in, um, I think I saw on your body when last time I saw you, it was like a pouch bag mm-hmm. that um, had like beans like a in it. Block and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that type of plastic. Also, again, different municipalities are capable of disposing of different types of plastic. So check within your municipality. But in general, those kind of pouch ones, they're layers and layers of different plastic. And even like different products, like there's like sometimes an aluminum layer in there that helps preserve things. So it's so expensive to take that apart that is not going to get taken apart. It's possible to recycle it, but it's not going to get recycled. Right. Because ultimately it has to be worth something to someone and worth the worth the cost of recycling it right. to make it reusable. That's why things like glass and aluminum are so easy to recycle and and why someone would be like, I'll buy your glass, I'll buy your exactly. aluminum because I can make something else at a higher price than, than the cost to do it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's an uh, awesome point. So like a pop can or a soda can, depending on where you live, <laughs> um, can get turned right back into a soda can. That's really cool. But then plastic, for the most part, um, is like if you take a plastic water bottle, it doesn't really, you can't really turn it again into a plastic water bottle. So they're made of polymer chains. And every time you recycle it, the chain gets shorter and shorter. And so like the quality of the plastic degrades. Mm-hmm. So maybe you can take that plastic and turn it into plastic for a shoe. Mm-hmm. 
But, but it won't be back into the same plastic bottle it was. Right. Unless you keep it and use it as a, a plastic bottle yeah. again. You know yeah, what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, but let's say you've done everything perfect. You have plastic that is like, there's actually some plastic that is like different than, again, there's like plastic is one word, but there's so many different types. There's some plastic that can, is more recyclable. Let's say you've done everything perfect. Everything's clean. You put everything in there that belongs. And still it goes to your recycling depot. And it doesn't have a market for it. So um, for most and most of uh, time, <laughs> most of recycling time, well, uh, we have been sending our recyclables overseas, predominantly to China. Mm-hmm. And China has decided as of last year that it no longer wants to take on all our waste and, you know, recycle it. So we're like, oh, mm-hmm. what are we re- going to do? How we're going to deal with it now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was reading actually like an article that in, in Alberta, I think in Calgary, they just, just were accumulating like a warehouse worth of clamshell plastic. So those are just like, you know, those things that like for if you're buying a stapler, it's clear on both sides. It has that joint, like yeah. a clamshell. Yep. They're just like <laughs> collecting them, collecting them just like, and they just realized we don't have a market for these. Mm. We, so we'll we've just been, end up we're, as garbage probably. Yeah, we're spending all this money on this warehouse for storage. They are, and they they took them to the landfill. So, mm. um, and that's happening in municipalities throughout North America where, you know, some municipalities have decided like we're not we're not going to recycle plastic anymore wow okay so yeah there is this level of like recycling it's we think of it it's good but it's also good to realize it's like part of the solution yeah. but it's definitely not the solution oh yeah please keep recycling your yeah. stuff if you can and like, wash do it before well. you, yeah. like that's something i didn't know is if it's tainted with like other things like it's it's good to wash your recyclables yeah. right to rinse them out so that they're not what would you say, like, uh, contaminated? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So definitely do all that, but then also be like, just because you recycle something doesn't mean it doesn't have an impact, which right. I think I kind of grew up thinking, like, you know. It's getting recycled. Yeah. I, it didn't hurt the anything, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, then I think it's something important for us to acknowledge, which you kind of have, and I wouldn't mind just as our last wrap-up to say, those are all the things that individuals can do, and I know – I think it's really important. Like I want to take that responsibility in my own life, but there is a level that people acknowledge that says we have to change the system. You know, Mm -hmm. we have to look to government, look to business and we can't just put this on consumers who of course are going to be caring about their bottom line and be caring about their livelihoods and their ability to afford certain things. So what, what can we do as sort of society at large? Yeah. What do we do? I'm so glad you brought that up because Literally, big business has spent a lot of money making individuals feel like it's their problem and that litter is their problem and they don't take. And then all of a sudden, like, we don't have accountability for us. You're littering. Um, So, but if you say you're um, a Coca-Cola or a Nestle and you uh, enter a market um, where they don't have waste management facilities. So we're really lucky, like, we put our waste on the curb and someone takes it. But 2 billion people around the world don't have formal waste management. So they have to deal with it however they can. And that might be open burning or it might be just disposing it in a river. In fact, half of all plastic that enters the ocean enters via rivers. Mm. So, you know, those companies need to be accountable for their waste and that that they're putting into the environment knowing that there's nothing that can really be done with it in those cases but even in like where we live like like they aren't like we our taxes go towards 
waste management and recycling, but it. they don't have to deal with that waste management. So there's a lot of people who are pushing for companies to mm-hmm, because I mean ownership. ultimately they're profiting off of that, right? Yeah. It reminds me of the cigarette butt problem, where like the cigarette industry has tried really hard to not be responsible for the waste because yeah. cigarette butts are the single most common piece of waste on the planet. Right. Right. Um, and plastic. Okay, so we say plastic is so so cheap. But would it be so cheap if these companies were accountable for their waste? Like, right. if they had to deal with it, would they be rethinking how they package something? Mm-hmm. Like, maybe you don't need to, like, have, like, like your peppers, wrap like, or, yeah. wrapped again. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yep. So um, something you could do organizing your community is fun. Have a party. Have a waste audit party <laughs> so with your friends. You could, you know, pick up trash in your community which is awesome, and then document what kind of trash are you picking up. Are you seeing a lot of Tim Hortons cups, another Canadian CanCon reference? (laughs) Um, Are you know, is there a certain brand you keep seeing? Tag them on social media Mm -hmm. and be like, hey, I'm noticing a lot of your stuff Mm -hmm. on my lawn. (laughs) (laughs) Like, are you putting it there? (laughs) Yeah, so I think that's like one way you can make like businesses pay attention yeah okay the last thing i want to ask you so you wrote this book you've had a great long time to be thinking about plastic how how has it changed your life like researching this putting it all together being aware of it has it shifted your whole perspective on your own purchasing abilities and 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 the way plastic interacts with your own life yeah absolutely like it it definitely has shifted so much of the way i buy things and think about things i did a little like experiment um where i tried to collect all my waste over a 40-day period um in a little jar it actually was a pretty big jar it had that's amazing though considering how much plastic i had on my body the other day from seven days yeah and then you just have to be really like think about like okay how am i gonna get this stuff and then also it makes you realize that you know as an individual that is a lot of work for someone maybe to do that, like mm-hmm. for you to go to a bulk store, for you to source your laundry detergent from somewhere else. And then it makes you think like, okay, yeah, if everyone was doing this more, if there was more demand, there'd be more infrastructure mm-hmm. and it wouldn't be as hard because like right now this is like a lot of work and I have like the privilege to be able to go out and do that and I have like income to be able to do that, yep. but it shouldn't necessarily be that like, hard. But the Yeah, the owners shouldn't be on... It's, it's unreasonable in some cases to ask people to or expect anyone to do that mm-hmm. if they're in a place where they don't have access to a lot of these abilities or resources. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, but do I make waste? Absolutely. I think being a human being, back to poop, is all about, <laughs> you know, making waste. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's, you're going to... You're going to make waste. It's going to happen. You're going to use plastic. It will happen. Try and be more mindful. Try and think about it and you know, do your best. Well, thanks so much, Rach, for being on the podcast. I want to ah. make sure people know where they can get your book, The Plastic Problem. So you can get The Plastic Problem uh, where books are sold. It's <laughs> on Amazon. It's on Barnes & Noble. It's on Chapters Indigo if you're in Canada. You can get that online. Okay, amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Thank you for having Uh, me. And for everyone listening, if you have thoughts about plastic, if you want to talk about your own experience trying to minimize it, use the hashtag SideNotePodcast. You can follow us. Let us know your thoughts. We're happy to tweet you back or on Instagram, share it. Um, And thank you again for listening. We'll be back next week for another podcast. Bye. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.